Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, with a set like this, you just have to come all the way up here to the top. I never, ever, ever thought I would be invited to be a speaker on Trinity Broadcast Network. You know, and here I am, and I'm going to channel some Jan Crouch for you. I'm going to come down, this is a golden staircase. You know, I got my hair all piled up real high because you know it's getting to Jesus up there. It might have a purple rinse on it today or a rose rinse on it today, but you know it's holy. So here we are. Here we are. Sometimes when we celebrate, we make it big. We want to enjoy what's happening. We want you to know it's different what's going on. You want you to not forget that marriage equality has come to our state this last week. You know, it's just happened. And we want to celebrate and celebrate and celebrate, and we'll be doing some more of that this afternoon. You know, this is also I celebrate today because I was one of those little queer kids, little queer kids, that, has, that was born with the Broadway gene. Some of us got that. Some of us got that. I was uh, one of those. We sang this song in our youth choir uh, day by day, and I thought I was so cool. I didn't realize I was still just being a Broadway nerd. You know, Godspell from Broadway. And, and so I challenge any of you afterwards, if you want to do a competition of obscure Broadway intros to songs, okay, we can do that together. But it's a time in the summer of celebration. It's a time for us to think about love and what that love means. It's a time for us to not only celebrate those couples, but the love God has for all of us. The love that God pours out on the world. It's a time for us to recognize that none of us are part beings, that we're all whole beings. Right? So when we come together in a relationship, it's not because we're not enough. We bring one whole self into another whole self to create something even larger than was before. So if you're single out there today and you say, Troy, stop talking about all these couples. I want to say, you're whole already. God created you beautiful. God created you just as God wanted you to be. And know that in your soul being because when you come as a couple, then you want to bring that whole self, everything you got right into it, uh, not hiding anything. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. We've got a lot to learn today about love, seasons of love, and what does it mean for us to come to this point in history, you know, because we're, we're at a new stage, you know. This brings us to a new place. We're at a new place. You know, and sometimes when you're in a new place, you kind of ask the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we want to celebrate and say, yes, we're there. Yes, we're there. And we want to go with joy. And then at the same time, we want to say, oh, but you know what? No, we're not. There's so much more for us to still do. There's so much more that still needs to be done in the name of love. There's so much more God has to do for us in transforming the world. So in our Exodus reading, we had this wonderful passage of uh, the scripture saying, and they moved through the wilderness in stages. You know what you do when you get to that stage? You, you, you set up a tent. You know, you start to make home. You start to see how it looks and what's there, what God's provided for you. You know, last week we talked about chutzpah, okay? This week we got a chuppah. We went from chutzpah to chuppah. Well, the marriage so many. But so in that stage, the scripture said, God led them through the wilderness by stages. So they get there, they get set up for what's to be, and they discover, you know what? We just put all our tents up and everything, and guess what? There's just no water. There's no water. I guess we won't be here for long. 
I guess there's another stage God's bringing us into. And, oh, people of God, as we celebrate, as we celebrate, celebrate the stage we're in now, let us never forget that God's calling us to even go farther, to even move further down that track, to bring love with us wherever we go on the way. And as so some of you say, oh, we use love too much. I'm jaded by that. You're singing Tina Turner's song. What's love got to do with it? That secondhand emotion, right? Who needs a heart when hearts can get broken? Oh, my goodness. Who needs a heart when hearts can get broken? We do. We do. We need to reach out and love as much as we can, knowing our heart might be broken. But we need to continue doing it over and over and over again. That song that Van sang, goodness, somebody crowd me with love. Somebody forced me to care. You know, that isn't just about romance. That's about God speaking to us individually, to us as families, to us as a family of faith. You know, a love that transforms the world. Don't stay stuck in your stage i got another place to bring you into. Come on along. Come on along. Let's go. Celebrate and sing and get married and have children and do all those wonderful things and keep going. Keep going. There's more love yet to be shared. I don't know about you, but that, some of that cynical romance stuff is just fun to play with. Uh, in the movie the wedding the wedding crashers i don't know if y'all remember that movie but these guys would make a make a, a habit of going to weddings so they could have these wonderful feasts and they would have a bet before they went in on what scripture was going to be told okay what scripture and one of them would always pick first corinthians 13 first corinthians 13 20 bucks Another guy would shift back and forth on what he would say, ruth and naomi colossians something like that but over more than not he lost They'd get in there, and it's 1 Corinthians 13, the reading we have today, part of it in your, in your bulletin today and in worship. This is that love chapter we hear about from Paul. Paul is, is telling us what it's like. You know? But you have to understand, Paul's not just telling us what it's like. Paul is actually getting down in the trenches and meddling. This is a book of meddling. Because the first Corinthians, you know, they're not being the church the way Paul thinks they should be the church. You know, so we got all of these things in the first 12 chapters that are going wrong. And then in chapter 13, Paul puts them all in this wonderful order to tell them that love is different than the way they've been being with each other. But, you know, the Corinthians were enthusiastic people. You didn't keep them down. They were enthusiastic. Paul went and told them about Jesus, and they said, we like him. We like Jesus a lot. Tell us more about Jesus. And so they were enthusiastic people. They liked Jesus. And then Paul left, and what did they do? They figured out how Jesus could conveniently fit in their life, 8 to 5 and maybe a prayer at midnight. Didn't change their life. Figured out conveniently how Jesus could fit into their schedule. I don't know if you've done anything like that. But here are the Corinthians that Paul has brought the word of Jesus to. They, yes, enthusiastically, let's go forward with this Jesus. We're Christians. We'll start a church. And they start a church, but then, you know, they just make some missteps down in those trenches where we all live. 
Have you ever loved Jesus so much that you found him conveniently fitting in your schedule? That it didn't even interrupt your trip to Starbucks? You know, so this is what the Corinthians are doing. And Paul says, no, Jesus is supposed to transform your life, not fit into your schedule. The Corinthians had said, okay, we love Jesus, we love this meal idea, this meal of bringing everyone together. So how does that fit? So they had gone about competing with their meals, their communions, their feasts. They would put on the show like this. They would put it out there. And in so doing, then they would be the first at the table, the wealthiest, the ones who could get there first, where they would get to the table and they'd eat everything, and then the others would come and there wouldn't be enough food for everyone. So the Corinthians found a way to fit even communion into a place that had some in and some out. Some tables better, some tables less. And Paul's saying, oh no, this is not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about love, not this competition. And so Paul tries to lift them up out of the trenches. Paul tries to get them up out of that space they're in. And he just starts talking about love in general. He could have gotten into their arguments, but he starts to talk about love in general. And this passage that we use in weddings so much, it's on greeting cards, we think, oh, how sweet. It's not sweet at all, it's meddling. He's getting right down and calling everything they've been doing to task. He's saying, love is patient and kind. You are not. You know? And then he says, well, love is not. Love is not boastful or arrogant or rude. You are. Have you ever heard 1 Corinthians 13 like that before? This is the pastoral letter of Paul getting into the muck with them and saying, let's change. Let's invite Jesus into our life that, in a way that transforms it. Not just so that it's convenient. So what is it in your life today? Where is Jesus just convenient for you? Might making a nice little handy gold accessory. Or where Jesus is working on your conscience and your heart. Maybe breaking it open for a new level of love to be present. You ready to live into that love? That love that Paul's talking about? Oh my goodness, that might take some work. Might have to change a little something in our schedule. It might not fit so conveniently. Oh goodness, Paul, stop meddling. Stop meddling. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I know that we've made great gains in something, there's always pushback. And I don't know if any of you have experienced that in your life this week, but I know I have. Facebook, email, phone call, you know, in person, marriage equality, and people have to tell me what they think now. You know, when I wish they would have just been quiet. <laughs> they have to tell, tell me what they think. You know, I kind of say, oh, you didn't need to do that. Because you'll get an email from someone and they want to ask you a couple of questions and you just, you don't know where they're coming from. Uh, but they want to start a conversation with you. And don't you know this gay guy's just tired of trying to explain to straight people what being gay is like? You know? Just tired of it. Just tired of it. 
you know, as, as, as much as you try and explain and have the conversation and all of this stuff, they don't get it. They don't get it. You know why they don't get it? They're not gay. They don't have to get it the way you get it. It's not who they are. You know, but having these conversations with people coming to you, wanting to, you to cure them again or take them the next step of the way. And I want to say, you know, there's a lot of books out there that trees have died for. <laughs> I, I would love you to get one of those books and read it and then let's have a conversation about that. That's how tired I can get. But, you know, they just push back because of this. And they'll leave you with sometimes that lie of, you know, this, this is just sin. And I just come back and say, well, you know, this is just a lie. But every time one of them comes at me with it, I imagine myself as being Charlie Brown and them being Lucy, holding that football out there on the field. We can do it. We can do it, Troy. Come on. Let's have this conversation. So start running, and right when I get to that football, Lucy just pulls it away, and there I am flat on my butt. Just flat out, you know? But you, I am okay with staying Charlie Brown. I'm okay with each time that conversation comes up to go ahead and have it over and over again, even if that football gets pulled away, because I don't know what God's going to do with it that I cannot see. God, I can't see. So here we are at this stage, and we're still not yet there. God has more places for us to go and more ways for us to be in this world. I think I have, might have this much of an inkling of what it might be to be a person of color to try and explain to white people what it means to be a person of color over and over again. I might have just a little inkling of what that's like. What it means to be that person day, 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 and to experience what they experience every day, day, day. But you know what? I'm not a person of color. So as good as an ally I want to be, as much as I want to carry the torch and be with persons, I will not ever get it in my bones in the same way that a person of color gets it. I will not ever be able to get what it means to be a woman because I don't live in that body every day, not treated that way every day. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? With the stage of equality we've reached, are we still there yet? Yes, we're in a new place, and no, God still has so much more for us to do. How do we bring love into all of those conversations, all of those places? Where do we bring love into prisons, into death row? Where do we bring love to the hungry? Where do we bring love into all those places where the hearts have been broken? And love is the answer. We know today there are still teenagers that may kill themselves. We know today there are still hungry folks. We know today that violence is still too often seen to be the answer. Will we breathe love into those places? Will we endure in love in the way the passage says? That love never ends and love endures. That doesn't mean that love makes you get beat up over and over again. It's not a prescription for you to suffer. It's a prescription to listen to God working into your whole life, into that love for the world's sake, for the world's sake. 
So today, let's pray for each of these couples that are at this stage in their life, that they're ready to come to each one of these little marks here, and there's a family standing right there, and say those vows to one another. Pray for each one of them. Bless each one of them. Lift them up. But let us know that it's not just a covenant between the two of them, that those vows are our vows. They're actually vows of faith. They're vows of our relationship with God. Have you ever thought of them that way? This passage of Corinthians, these vows, saying it as a prayer, Oh God, oh God, I am yours. You are mine to have, to have and to hold that much. For richer, God, you are mine. For poorer, you are mine. In sickness and in health, you are still mine. Oh God, you are mine. Can we stay that enduring love course? Can we be those people of faith? Paul is asking the Corinthians to be those people. Stop separating by class the haves and the have-nots. Start living with Jesus at the center of your life instead of on the periphery. Oh, people of God, people of God, this meddlesome scripture has a word of love to say to us today because it's in the meddling that God can reach us and make us maybe consider something we have not yet considered. Are we there yet? Are we satisfied with just our seat at the table? Or will we pull other chairs up so that those who haven't made it yet will find their way? Are we going to keep the door open? Are we going to keep God's love free for everyone? When I did the interview this week with Channel 11, the reporter kept coming back to me. Her name was Grace, by the way. She kept coming back to me, and she kept saying, she's saying, so it's free? Three or four times. So is it free? You know, and I said, yeah, it's, it's free. These people have waited a long time. There's no reason to put any barriers in their way for God's love to be shown to them as soon as possible and make this legal happen right now. But it was strange to the world that it would be free. That God's love, God's grace would be showered on everyone. No barriers. You people of God are being faithful. You're saying your vows and you're showing it to the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.